Weekly Tour. It's about 20 after 4 on a Friday afternoon as we get you into your weekend and your sports weekend as well. Welcome back to the Sports Huddle. Bob Black with you here. Thanks for locking in with us, 1061 ESPN. Washington Commanders, we talked a decent amount about them yesterday when Sean Robertson was in with me to co-host yesterday afternoon, and we promised we would continue that conversation today. And now's the time to do that with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Richmond.com, who's been up there in Ashburn and keeping his eyes on the Commanders' minicamp action. Michael, thank you for joining us. Good to hear from you again. Uh, hope you're doing all right and didn't have too many issues with the uh, poor air quality up there in the D.C. area. It was a little wild up there, a little, a little more wild than here. Yeah, we got uh, we got our high school staff up there today for the uh, spring jubilee, the VHSL tournament. So, uh, you know, the world revolves around northern Virginia. We just live in it. Did you uh, experience any issues up there? I know the commanders moved uh, the practice indoors yesterday, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, I actually I, I went out for a, uh, a six mile jog uh, uh, Wednesday night. I guess that was. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. It didn't face me at all. But uh, it was it was pretty wild. The sun, you could like stare directly at the sun as it was setting because you know the haze was right in front of it. I, I've not seen anything like that before. It's so funny you say that. First of all, I'm very impressed you're an Iron Man, Michael. You are an Iron, Iron Man. Man. Six Iron mile Man. run. Didn't feel a thing. Hardly needed to take an extra breath. Very impressive by your endurance and athleticism. I did the same thing last night with the sun as it was setting. I was like, wow, I can stare right at it and watch it set behind the houses and the clouds. It was really cool. All right, we get way off track there. But I understand what I understand what you're talking about, certainly. So Sean and I yesterday were kind of talking about where we thought maybe most of the eyeballs were centered on this mini camp. Was it like Chase Young because of everything that's going on with him and coming back from injury and the contract and all of that? Is it Sam Howell? For obvious reason, is it Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator? Where did you kind of put most of your focus of attention, or what kind of opened your eyes the most from this minicamp? Yeah, I think Chase Young was one because he and Montez Sweat both held out. I, I know Chase Young's the headliner, but let's not forget Montez Sweat's a really important part of this team too. He and Chase Young are buddies; they both share the same agent, Rich Paul, who uh, has ties to LeBron James. Clutch Sports is the agency, so. They, they do kind of move in tandem on a lot of things, and it was very jarring to see them back in the sense of you know, they, they wreck games. They're, they're very large men. It's what they do, and it, it was a noticeable difference in those scrimmage periods with those guys out there as opposed to those guys not out there. So it was really hard not to notice them. Another guy who it's really hard to notice, Eric, not to notice, Eric Bieniemy. He's He has made his presence felt. Uh, he is, I, I mean, I don't want to overstate this, but he is the head coach of the offense. He, he makes all the decisions and will make all the decisions as part of the deal here. You know, Ron Rivera is very hands-off with that unit. Eric Bieniemy calls all the shots. I know you'll be hearing from Ron Rivera throughout the season, uh, but but the buck really doesn't stop there, which which has certainly been an eye-opener from camp. And you mentioned Sam Howell, absolutely. You always got to talk quarterback. Um, you know, the headline uh, item there, Ron Rivera saying he, he's done enough to be QB1 going into training camp. I think we all see that he's going to start the opener. Um, but it, it's an important season, and it's an important first few games. You got that opener against Arizona. That, that's a bad football team. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to win that game. <laughs> I think Eric Bieniemy may have taken some of the pressure off of Jack Del Rio, right? We've hardly even talked about yeah. him because of Bieniemy's presence in, in Washington. What did you see defensively from what Del Rio is doing with that defense? Yeah, and he also gets a little of the benefit of the doubt because his unit was fine last year. You know, wasn't wasn't their fault they didn't make the playoffs. It was the offense's fault for 
not delivering down the stretch in those crucial games when they when they just needed to beat the Browns or beat the Giants to, to get in. Uh, really, it was the offense that held them back, wasn't able to do that. I'm most fascinated by the secondary this year, Bob. You've got Quan Martin, the second-round draft pick out of Illinois. There, there's no room for him in the starting five, that nickel defense they like to run. You've got Benjamin St. Juice. You've got uh, Kendall Fuller. You've got... Uh, Emmanuel Forbes has to play. He's your first-round draft pick. And then, then Cam Curl and Derek Forrest is safety. That's five, um, you know. But but they love Quan Martin, second-round draft pick out of Illinois. He can play a lot of the positions. He can play at nickel. He can play at safety. He could probably play corner and in the slot, too. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how they work him into the lineup. So, therefore, if we have talked about the defensive line with guys like Sweat and Young and the rest of those guys, and you've just talked about the defensive backs, um, does that mean the linebacking core is is kind of the biggest question mark of the defense? Oh, no no question. I mean, your biggest question mark is probably will Chase Young show up or not this yeah, year. Not, right. not, not, liter- not literally, but will he get 10 sacks? Will he reassert himself? as a dominant force. I think that's probably your number one factor in how the defense goes this year because there's just not a lot of depth behind him. There's really a lot on Chase Young to deliver, as there should be for a former number two overall draft pick. Um, They're just, they're skating my linebackers. (laughs) He's got Cody Barton comes over from the Seahawks. He's fine. You got Jamin Davis in year three. Uh, He's fine. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's not a position that inspires anybody, but, you know, the way they call this defense and run this defense, I... I would not be surprised to see some times when it's five defensive backs, five on the defensive line, and one linebacker. Huh. Yeah, that would be interesting. And Ron Rivera will have a hand in that, I would imagine, along, <laughs> yeah. along with Jack Del Rio as well. But you make a good point on enemy really taking over um, the offense. So before we even get into the gist of Sam Howell, Michael, we know he's got to be upright and not flat on the ground in order to have any level of success. Will this offensive line be able to do that for him? Boy, that, that is my number one question offensively. It's not even how will Sam Howell do. It's will Sam Howell get a chance to be that good? Will he get a chance to have three seconds in the pocket, be able to make his read? I, I think this offensive line, on paper, is fine. Uh, yeah, how, how's that? Yeah, you know, they're, they're not going to play that clip there to get anybody fired up. They, they're fine. They're fine. They're good enough. Charles Leno's good enough at left tackle. You run down the line. Sadiq Charles, uh, they, they add uh, Nick Gates, Andrew Wiley's fine, Sam Cosmo move inside the guard. They're all fine. There's no worries. But that is an injury-prone unit, and there is not a lot of depth there. If we get to week six, week seven, I'm quite concerned. Hmm. Well, if they're fine, then the really strong suit of this offense, I would think, would be at the wide receiver position, right? Absolutely. With, with McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, right? Oh, and they're so good. I I think they had a real winner last year in Jahan Dotson in the draft. I, I think we, we got a little bit of a taste of what he can do. He made some big catches. People got to see that. I don't think people understand how good he's going to be. And I don't say this to diminish Terry McLaurin, because Terry McLaurin is the star on this team. That That's unquestioned of the offense. But, man, Jahan Dotson's going to be very good. You can't double-team them both. Uh, whoever doesn't get taken away is going to be a legit threat to catch the ball on every play. Man, if, I just feel like if I'm Sam Howell, I could not have walked into a better situation. I get coached by the guy who's coached Patrick Mahomes for the last five years. I get to throw the ball to McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel. Yes, you, there, there are once on the offensive line, but on the whole, for a fifth-round draft pick, he is being set up for success. 
Michael Phillips, Richmond Times-Dispatch, Richmond.com. We're breaking down the Washington Commanders through minicamp, which Michael did in a really good uh, uh, story, a really good column on Richmond.com. And as I read through that, you reminded all of us that Eric Bieniemy used to be a running back. So how does he <laughs> coach the running backs? Is that almost a double-edged sword where you're going to get the wealth of his experience, but you're also going to get his wrath because that's the spot he knows the best? Boy, that hammer comes down hard when, when he does. <laughs> I, you know, it's here's here's the big question on Eric Bieniemy. Everybody's been very happy with him so far. The practices are noticeably better. I, I think he's an absolute improvement over Scott Turner. But he's a, he's a nose-to-the-grindstone, hard-work, high-intensity guy. And that worked great for the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't go on losing streaks, Bob. The Chiefs' the losing streak is, shoot, we lost a game to the Cincinnati Bengals. Just guess we'll just have to go 14-3 this year. It's it's going to be different here. Even if these guys have a wildly successful season, there will probably be a three-game losing streak in there. They, I mean, there's, it is tough to not do that in the NFL with the amount of parity out there. How will that style hold up in a losing streak? How will that style hold up over the grind of a long season, especially if they're not achieving their goals? These are questions we don't know, but I'll, I'll say this. I'm I'm ready to find out. The previous the previous system wasn't working any good. I mean, look, you, you can't look at the results of the last two years, miss the playoffs by a game, miss the playoffs by a game, offense held them back both times. You can't look at that and say, well, golly gee, they should have just stuck with Scott Turner and seen what happened. No, you, you saw what happened. It's absolutely the right move to go to Eric Bieniemy. That's not to say it's a sure thing that it's going to work out. And look, they can't get a winning streak going without starting to win, and there would be no better time to do that than right at the start of the year, right? You pointed that out. They've got a, a pretty favorable start to the season, at least the first couple of games. You know, you, you go to Denver in week two, and I, I'm not going to declare that a game you should win or anything. It's a road mm-hmm. game in the NFL. But, but a new coach, Sean Payton, working to kind of rebuild Russell Wilson, I'd much rather play those guys in week two than in week 16, I'll tell you that much. That's you know, Same with Arizona Cardinals, new coach. He's going to put in a new style. I'd much rather play them in week one than week 18. He had a little bit of that last year. These guys survived to beat Jacksonville in week one. Jacksonville was a playoff team. That turned out to be a pretty good team. I think it's a favorable schedule. I, I think it sets them up well to get rolling, get a little success, get Sam Howell, you know, dunking and diving and all those things he's going to do. Uh, I, I don't think you could ask for much more in terms of getting set up. You've also... You open at home and, and knock on wood, presuming this sale goes through eventually someday, you know, at some point, that will be the first game under new ownership. I think there's going to be, you know, a pretty big crowd there, a pretty enthusiastic crowd there. I think it'll be a nice atmosphere. All right, what happens now, Michael, really, for the next six weeks or so? Is it is it pretty much no football at this point? What do you, What happens here until everybody reconvenes at the end of July? No football, but it's aspirin, so you know there's drama, Bob. Uh, so we, we've got we've got two mileposts here. I'm expecting the team to be formally sold mm-hmm. in, in, towards the end of those six weeks, right before training camp. I think they'll do the vote, they'll do the handoff, uh, and new ownership will take over. That will obviously be a big momentous event. Number two, we've been told the Mary Jo White investigation into Dan Snyder will be released, even with the sale. Um, I would expect that to be quietly dropped at some point this summer, too. Uh, there are no dull days in Ashburn. <laughs> Has any of this impacted players? I-, I can understand where Ron Rivera, you know, he's keeping his eyes on this thing. But how about from a player perspective, Michael? I, I think the number one impact here is the the money has dried up from the Dan Snyder end, and 
you know, any future big contracts are, are going to be given from Josh Harris's group once he takes over. They really want to give Cam Curl, the young safety, a contract extension this offseason. They really can't do that until the ownership change. Uh, so, so the sooner that gets done, the, the quicker you can make him happy and run forward with that. That's a guy you don't want to lose, obviously. So I, I think he's the one probably watching the TV the closest here. Well, it sounds like you're raring and ready to go already, but I would certainly encourage you to take some downtime here over the next (laughs) six weeks. I'm sure you will do that before we kick this thing off in late July, Michael. We, We will have plenty of time to talk during training camp, get excited for this thing, get our hopes up get let down man it's an annual tradition bob i enjoy doing it with you we look forward to doing it again michael enjoy the summer and we will catch up with you before long thanks for a great breakdown of the commanders today you bet take care michael phillips richmond times dispatch he was with us regularly last season and we'll try and work that out again for this year because he's great whether he's writing the articles or his perspective or talking to us about it on the radio we certainly get a great breakdown on the washington commanders and again he was excited going into last year as you might recall we kind of you know not called him out but kind of begged to differ a little bit with just how optimistic he was being and it turned out he shouldn't have been quite as optimistic as he would with no playoff at the end of that regular season so he sounds optimistic again proof will be of the pudding we'll wait and see what happens as i've been saying for years and years now until they absolutely win 10 11 games in a season I'm not picking them to go anything but eight and nine or nine and eight, right in that, right in that realm until they can prove otherwise. Um, we're going to leave them right, right there. So, uh, all right, good stuff from Michael Phillips um, on this Friday afternoon as they wrap up uh, minicamp. I do think they have that one more scheduled for Tuesday. I don't even know if that'll actually happen. Sometimes a coach will say, hey, "We've had a good enough time. Let, let's get you out of here. Let's get you to the to the off season." But they may use it just to get a few more reps in on Tuesday. But for the most part. Uh, the commander's pretty much done. Shut it down until they reconvene in Ashburn in late July. All right, we'll reconvene in a moment. We're going to get to the Major League Baseball when we come back. All right, this is what we were going to lead with this afternoon because it really was amazing. And there are a couple of backstories to what we're going to talk about and what you're going to hear on the Major League Baseball front that just got put a little bit on the back burner by the way that Duke-Virginia game ended this afternoon in Charlottesville with Duke knocking off the Cavaliers 5-4 with the drive to the fence that would have won the game if it had been a home run. Instead, it was a third out in the bottom of the ninth being really dramatic. So we started out with that. We'll go to Major League Baseball. And, yes, those red-hot Atlanta Braves and those downtrodden New York Mets coming up when we come back on the Sports Saddle. 